All right. Good evening, everyone. Let us let us begin. So first of all, thank you to everyone for accommodating the earlier start time this evening. Begin by thanking our sponsors for tonight's shir. To thank Tzvi and Chevy Friedman for dedicating the shir tonight in memory of Chevy's father, Yoshua Yaakov ben Shalom, Zichron Levracha, whose 14th yard site is this week. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshama will have an aliyah and the family in Nechama. To thank Robin Schaefer for dedicating the shir tonight in celebration of the engagement of her son, Gil Kotler, to Nicole Berry Lieberman in Eretz Yisrael. Mazel tov. Mazel tov. And on the celebration on Erev Hanukkah of Robin's sixth decade on earth. I like that way of phrasing it. Again, great, great, excellent. And a thank you again to Elkham and Samuelson for dedicating the shir tonight in the schus of hearing good news in the future. Halavai Meretz Hashem for all of us. With that, let us begin. So we are going to depart from our natural order and normal course of study on Wednesday nights. We're normally focused on Tehillim, focused on the parsha, but it's not loud enough. Okay, let's see. Sorry, I don't, I don't run the AV department. I should run the AV department, but... Okay, so tonight, Emir Hashem, we're going to focus a little bit more... Not a little bit more. We're going to focus Emir Hashem on Hanukkah. I say this really before every Yom Tiv, because every Yom Tiv, we normally switch up what it is that we normally learn in an effort to prepare for that which is ahead of us. The meaning of any experience is directly related to the amount you prepare for it. Chazal already teaches us this concept when it comes to Shabbos. So for example, again, Chazal writes, writes, Literally, again, if you work and you prepare on Erev Shabbos, on Friday, you'll eat on Shabbos. So of course, Chazal can't mean that literally because that's obvious. Obviously, again, you can't cook on Shabbos. So if you prepare on Erev Shabbos, ultimately, again, you'll enjoy Shabbos. What are Chazal teaching us? Chazal is saying that your Shabbos experience is directly related to what your Erev Shabbos is like. Erev Shabbos is the preparation. So, if you are an 18-minute Jew, you know who you are, right? And again, you're always running by the skin of your teeth. Don't expect to tap into the tranquility of Shabbos because you're not preparing enough. Now, of course, that happens to all of us episodically. When it becomes a way of life, it's fundamentally problematic, because not only is the stress too often too much to handle week in and week out, but we know when you run into Shabbos and you're rushed and you don't have the chance at least just to take a deep breath before entering into the most sacred day of the week, by definition, your Shabbos is different. Shabbos night, sitting down at the Suda, is not the same when the stresses of the week are still melting off you. There's a concept, Chazal say, you have to prepare on Erev Shabbos in order to have an impactful and meaningful Shabbos Kodesh. And the truth is, the same is true with every other Yom Tiv as well. If you want to reap the maximum benefit from any Yom Tiv, if you want to reap the maximum benefit in general from anything in Yiddishkeit, by definition, it requires preparation. And the more preparation in advance, the more meaningful the event itself actually becomes. So now we come to Hanukkah. So we're going to go into Hanukkah, Mir Hashem, this coming Sunday night, and Hanukkah is one of those Yamim Tovim where as soon as you kindle the menorah, you feel a wave of something coming over you. There's something that's happening. There's something that's different in the air. There's something that's different in the fabric of the day. But often we're not able to articulate what that difference is. So what we're going to try to do tonight a little bit is to try to understand wherein lies the unique message of Hanukkah 
And by definition, what is the avoda? What is our job over these days? Let's begin with the Gemara. Number one, the Gemara Masech Shabbos writes as follows: My Chanukah. Okay, pretty straightforward question. What is Chanukah? What the Gemara is asking is, what is this holiday? The Tanra Aban and the Rabbis teach: Bechafei bekislev yomi dechanukah tamni inun. On the twenty-fifth of Kislev, eight days of Chanukah begin. We don't fast during these days. We don't deliver eulogies during these days. Why? This is the story we all know. Because remember, again, the Syrian Greeks, the Syrian Greeks who tried to, remember, Judea was a vassal state already to King Antiochus, before him to King Ptolemy. So remember, again, the Greeks were not interested in the physical annihilation of the Jews. They were interested in the spiritual annihilation of the Jews. When that failed, when they were not unable to accomplish, really, we'll call it rampant, well, there was rampant assimilation, but total assimilation, that's when they began to crack down physically on the Jews, ultimately ransacking the base Hamikdash. So what happened, we know, the Greeks entered into the temple, they defiled all of the oils. So, when the Hashmonaim, who again, remember, weren't trained warriors, the Hashmonaim were a family of Kohanim. They were a family of Kohanim who took up arms, decided to fight back, decided to rebel. So they come into the base Hamikdash. Now the Gemara leaves out a little bit of like, uh, you know, they, there was a major, major wars, major battles. And ultimately, again, the Hashmonaim, it's actually just today, it was in the news that in Ir David, in the city of David, they just found arrowheads that they believe come from the times of the Maccab and from the Hashmonai revolt. Absolutely incredible. So in any event, so the Hashmonai rebelled and they led a successful rebellion against the Syrian Greeks. They come back to the Beis HaMikdash in an effort to go ahead and restart, literally rekindle Jewish life. They searched, they found only one, one untainted cruise of oil, one untainted, right, jug of oil, that had the seal of the coin Gadol on it. And we know the story. There was only enough oil to kindle the menorah for one day. A miracle occurred. Ultimately, it remained lit for eight days. And then the Gemara ends. In the subsequent year, they established these days of Hanukkah as a yomtiv for Hallel and Hodah. And literally, again, Hallel means we recite Hallel. Hodah means in Shemona Esrei, we insert the section of Alanisim. Okay, beautiful Gemara. What's the most troubling part of Hanukkah? What's the, what's, what's the question, what's the, the overarching question about Hanukkah? So first of all, right, the whole celebration is really focused on the oil. Absolutely no mention of, of the wars, which is strange. Because let's think about it for just a moment, right? On your, on your miracle meter, right? On your miracle meter, right? How, how far does the hand of your miracle meter go over this, over this particular miracle? The truth is, no offense to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. Meaning what? Okay, it's great. I, I think we mentioned this last week as well, right? So fine, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made one jug of oil last for eight days. That's fantastic. Okay, that's great. Remember, that's presupposing that you take for granted that oil burns it all. Right, this idea that you take, you take an olive, you squeeze olive, you get the liquid, you put a wick in there, you light the wick on fire, and suddenly it burns. That's pretty miraculous. That's pretty miraculous. Just because it happens every day. So fine. So God decided to take something miraculous and extend it. And extend it. If you think about the miracles that we have experienced as a people, this, this doesn't even show up on the radar. Right? For example, there's no yomtiv to celebrate that man fell 
every single morning for 40 years. Three and a half million people were fed every single day with divine bread that fell from the heavens. That's big. That's big. There's no miracle to go ahead and, there's no miracle to go ahead and celebrate that. And the truth is you can go through so many miracles that have happened to our people and yet they don't get their own Yom Tovim. But the truth is, is even a deeper to compound that question. So much has happened since Hanukkah. Right? Think about Jewish history. It's incredible. The Hashemunai revolt, they went ahead and rededicated the Beis Hamikdash. The Beis Hamikdash was then standing for a few hundred years after, right, under Hasmonean rule. Now, let's just a little bit of history. Hasmonean rule did not turn out well, right? That, that, that turned into a debacle, right? The Hashemunai dynasty, there's a whole dispute, the Hashemunai were Kohanim. In Judaism, in Judaism, remember again, monarchy comes from what Shevet? Yehuda, right? Priesthood, Kahuna, Levia comes from Levi. There's a purposeful separation between religious authority and what we'll call political authority. Those are divided. The fact that the Hashemonaim sees the monarchy for themselves, it's not so clear that that was a good idea. And it doesn't end well. The Hashemonaim monarchy descends into chaos. Ultimately, you know how it ends. You know how the the Hasmonean monarchy ends. The Hashemonaim had a slave, a man by the name of Herod. Herod decided he was tired of being a slave. And so he led a revolt against his masters. Herod wiped out the entire Hashmonai family. He wiped out everyone, except one girl. Why did he spare this one young lady? Because he thought she was beautiful and he wanted to marry her. She went up to the Gemara, she went up to the roof of her home. She said, I am the last member of the Hashmonai family. From this point forward, anyone who claims that they are a Hasmoni or a Hashmonai know that they are really a slave. And she threw herself down to her death. That's the end of the Hashmonai monarchy. Right? That's the same Herod. He wipes out the Asmonian family. He wipes out most of the Sanhedrin. He decides to do tshuva. That's when he goes in and does a refurbishment of the second base Hamikdash. So it's not like the greatest story. It's not the greatest story. And yet, interestingly enough, again, we celebrate it. So what the Gemara is really asking is like this. There's got to be something deeper. In other words, I understand the miracle of the oil. I understand that. And I appreciate it. But that can't be it. My Hanukkah, those first two words is such a profound question. It's Chazal, it's the rabbi struggling. What exactly is the nature of this Yomtev? And by the way, let's take it a step further. If it is about the oil, if it is about the oil, so what's the message? So what's the message? So what's the mission? So what's the avoda? So the Gemara says, my Hanukkah, struggling to understand what is it about this Yomtev? that I'm supposed to take from? How am I supposed to grow? How am I supposed to change? How am I supposed to evolve? What's the message and what's the mission? So I want to share with you a couple of different approaches. And again, we're going to see, as usual, they're not mutually exclusive. They're just different approaches. So take a look at number two. There's an, another incredible Gemara in Masech Asyuma. The Gemara says, We've actually done this capital of Tehillim in, in our, in our shir. So the, so the, the capital says, to the conductor, Now the way we translate Ayelas HaShachar, and Ayal is a hind, right? The deer. Shachar, the dawn. Who is the deer? Who is the hind of the dawn? Uh, so the Gemara understands this by the, that it's a scriptural allusion to Esther Hamalka, to Queen Esther. Amr Abbasin, Lama Nimshula Esther Shachar. Why is Esther compared to the dawn? 
Why is Esther compared to the dawn? Lomer lecha, mashachar sof kol alayla, af Esther sof kol hanisim. To teach us that just as the dawn is the end of night, so to Esther was the last miracle for the Jewish people. In other words, the story of our miracles ends with Esther. Now remember again, just chronologically, remember again, the story of Esther happens when? Happens when? Right after the destruction of the first Beis HaMikdash. First temple is destroyed. Jews are sent into exile into Babel. Already by then it was Parasumadai, the Persian Median Empire. Right? Remember again, Mordechai was one of the Jews who was exiled. Mordechai was alive. While the Beis HaMikdash, first Beis HaMikdash was still standing, he's exiled. The story of Esther happens right after the destruction of the first Beis HaMikdash. That period of destruction lasted how long between first temple and second temple? It's like a Jewish history class, right? 70 years. 70 years. Then the Beis HaMikdash is, second Beis HaMikdash is rebuilt. So remember again, the story, the story of the Chashav Chanukah takes place a few hundred years after Purim. Okay, so now the Gemara says, why is Esther called Ayelas HaShachar? Ultimately, again, because just like the Shachar, just like the dawn is the end of the night, so to Esther is the end of all miraculous activity, of, of all miracles, of all miracles. So the Gemara says, really? Vahoyika Chanukah? What about Chanukah? Right, there's still Chanukah. Like if a guy about Chanukah, the Gemara says, Chanukah happened after Purim. So the Gemara says, you're right, but Esther is actually the last holiday, the last Yom Tov, the last miraculous event to be included in Tanakh. Tanakh, Megillah's Esther is the last official book, so to speak, that's added onto Tanakh. So for example, Chanukah has no Sefer. Chanukah has no Sefer. Now again, there's Medrash, there's Medrash Chanukah, there's the book of the Maccabim, which again, its authenticity or its origin is somewhat disputed. But unlike Purim, which has a Megillah, Chanukah has no Megillah. So it's interesting. So now you see what the Gemara is saying is like this. We thought Purim, like in this grand scheme of things, we thought Purim was the last Yom Tiv because Purim is really the last Yom Tiv that has an associated book with it, a Megillah. But the Gemara says, no, 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 Chanukah is the last Yom Tiv. Now, by the way, if we think about that, it's incredibly profound. Chanukah is the last Yom Tiv institutionalized for Klal Yisrael. There's no subsequent Yom Tiv. You know, again, it's interesting, like you see contemporarily, right, there's much dispute that surrounds Yom Ha'atzma'ut, right, how to celebrate Israel Independence Day. Many wanted to make it a Yom Tiv, many who objected to it to Yom Tiv. You should just know, even people who object to Yom Ha'atzma'ut being a Yom Tiv could still be fiercely Zionistic and very much love Eretz Yisrael. There's an issue with adding on additional Yom Tovim. There, there's a halachic issue. Again, there, there's plenty of literature to support it as well, but just pointing out, like, the, the, you see what the Gemara is saying is, it's almost like the Yom Tiv book closes with Hanukkah. Hanukkah is it. That, that's the last holiday that ultimately, again, it's created for Klav Yisrael. So there's something interesting, something interesting, that Hanukkah is the last, right? And now, by the way, is Hanukkah the last miracle that occurred for the Jewish people? No, there have been plenty of miracles. But Hanukkah is almost like the last recorded miracle. That's the end. That's the end. So why is Hanukkah the end? So I want to show you something amazing. If you take a look at number three, this is from the Pachad Yitzchok. The Pachad Yitzchok was Rabbi Yitzchok Chutner, whose yard site is this week. See, he says something amazing. I'm just going to read a little bit of it inside, the middle of the first line. 
Echot hamakomos hamiyuchadim ach verak lechanaka, lemoid chanaka, he yosin nimsa besof kol sedri kvios azmani mor ledoros. So if Ruther points out, it's interesting, Chanukah, as we said before, is the last yomtiv. Chanukah is the last yomtiv. It's the last one. So Rav says, Hamuvan ha'pnimi shal uvda zuhi kim kevias moida Chanukah nigmaru kol hashorashim shal seder zman ladoros ad acharis hayomim. Rav says something amazing. He says, the fact that Chanukah is the last, that means, listen to these words, Everything we need to be successful as a people, we have now. Chanukah gave us that last piece of strength. Chanukah gave us that last piece of peoplehood. Chanukah gave us, it's almost like that last spiritual booster shot. That's the end of what we need. And he says something amazing. He says, what do we say in Ma'oz? This is so beautiful. Azegmor, Bishir Mizmar, Chanukah Samizbeach. Right, Mosur is one of those things. Everybody loves to sing it. No one has any idea what it's talking about. Right? So listen to this phrase. Az Egmor, then I will be finished. Bishir with the song, Bishir Mizmor, Chanukas Hamizbeach. Rafutner says, what does that mean? Listen to this. Az Egmor, then I'll be done. When will we be done? The Chanukas Hamizbeach, when the base Hamikdash is rededicated by Hanukkah. That's what that phrase is saying. Chanukah is the close of miracles. Now, we know, you understand when I say the close of miracles, miracles happen every single day. It means that Hanukkah is the last yomtiv, the last holiday centered on a miracle created by Chazal, created by the rabbis. That's it. Azegmor, with Hanukkah, we're finished. With Hanukkah, we're done. He goes on, he says, Kilomar, at kviyus moida Hanukkah, this is so profound. He said, before Hanukkah, there was something missing for us. Before Hanukkah, we, will not, we were not nationally complete. With the Yomtev of Hanukkah, says Rav Hutner, everything we need to get us to where? To get us to where? To get us to Mashiach, to get us to Messianic times, we now have. Hanukkah is the final puzzle piece. It's the final thing we needed in order to be able to, 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 to cross the messianic finish line. So with, with the establishment of the Yom of Hanukkah, the pathway is now straight. With the establishment of the Yom of Hanukkah, we now have everything we need in order to be successful until the Messianic era. This is one of these things where right now we don't even know what he's talking about, right? What are you even referring to? But what, but what just, before you even understand it, what an incredible thing to think about. Hanukkah is the last miracle. Refutner says, up until Hanukkah, there was something missing. Something missing from the national consciousness, something missing from the national neshama of Klal Yisrael that left us deficient. With the establishment of the Yom Tov of Hanukkah, we're now complete and I have everything I need in order to reach the messianic finish line. Okay, but this is where Rafutner ends. What doesn't he tell us? So what's the final lesson? What, so what is it? So what, what did Hanukkah give us? What is it that was missing that Hanukkah gave us that now ultimately again, I'm totally complete. So take a look at number four. The Bnei Yisachar says something so beautiful. He establishes over here, listen to this, Mavar. 
Lo nitna Chanukah likasev binavua. So remember again, as we mentioned before, the story of Chanukah is not recorded. You see, it's interesting. We often assume that the Purim story was the first story to happen without prophecy. Right? Because there's no prophet in the story of the Megillah. But there is prophecy. How do we know this prophecy? Who wrote the Megillah? Who wrote the Megillah? Esther Malka wrote the Megillah. Now, there are details that are recorded in the Megillah that Esther could not have known. Right? Parts of the story that could not, she could not have known that Achashverosh couldn't fall asleep at night. Right? She, she, she couldn't have known that. Right? She couldn't have known about the story, about the plot between big, she, there are things that happened in the Megillah that Esther could not have known about. So the Gemara says the only way to explain it is that Esther Nichtava Baruach HaKodesh. Esther was written, Megillah says it was written with a spirit of prophecy. So it turns out then that the first story without any semblance of prophecy, the first national event without any prophecy, without a Navi, without anything, without a book of Tanakh, is what? Is Hanukkah. Is Hanukkah. He says, Mavar lo nitna because what is the entire message of Hanukkah? Because you know what happens in Hanukkah? The miracle of Hanukkah happens without a prophet. It happens without a Navi. You know what else it happens without? What else don't you have during Hanukkah? A Beis HaMikdash. Now, what I mean you don't have a Beis HaMikdash? Remember, if you think about the way the story of Hanukkah unfolds, the end of the Hanukkah story is a rededication of the Beis HaMikdash. But throughout the story, when the Jews are waging their battles, there is no functional Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash has been defiled. The altar has been used for pagan sacrifice. You know, everyone thinks that the big miracle of Hanukkah was that, you know, they couldn't find, there was no oil, they found oil, they came in. There was something else that was missing besides oil in the Beis HaMikdash. You know what else was missing? The menorah was missing because the menorah was made of solid gold. The Greeks had taken it out. There's a whole story about what Tchashmonayim did for that first menorah that first year. So if you think about it, the Bnei Yisrael says something absolutely amazing, which is the miracle of Hanukkah unfolds without a prophet, without a Navi, and it unfolds also without a functional Beis HaMikdash, which is an incredible metaphor for the, or a foreshadow for the future of the, human, of the Jewish condition to this very day. To this day, how do we operate? We operate without prophecy and we operate without a base HaMikdash. Now, we're often not conscious of this because it's been thousands of years since we've had a Navi, thousands of years since we've had a base HaMikdash. But Hanukkah was the first Yom Tiv that occurred without a prophet, any form of prophecy, and without a functional base HaMikdash. So listen to this. So do you want to know what the... And yet, without a prophet, without a prophet, and without a Beis HaMikdash, what happened? What happened? We were successful. And Hanukkah teaches us this dramatic lesson. Sometimes in life we encounter a challenge. And we say to ourselves, I don't have the tools to meet this challenge. I don't have the tools. And what does Hanukkah teach us? Whatever tools you need to meet your life challenge... You have them. And even if you think you're lacking something, you may be lacking something, but you don't need whatever it is you're lacking in order to be successful in the particular chapter of life you are in. That is the Hanukkah story. And remember, says of Hutner, 
This was the last piece of the Jewish psyche. Because remember again, what is Hanukkah? You know, all, all of our Yom Tovim are so interesting, right? We come to the end of right of a Yom Tov, what happens? We celebrate, everything is wonderful, everything is beautiful. And often like with every Yom Tov, there's always like a little bit of a, there's always like a little bit of a pang, right? We get to the end of the Megillah, everyone's happy, everyone's good. And we always say, everyone's happy except who? Except who? Except Esther, right? Everybody's having a great time. Except the heroine of the story, who's locked in a marriage she doesn't want to be in, locked in a life she doesn't want to be in. And again, she's stuck. She's stuck. Hanukkah comes, we celebrate. But we know again, ultimately again, how the story unfolds. And how does the story unfold? Uh, Beis HaMikdash stands for a few hundred more years, but then there is a steady decline about what's happening. And remember again, the Hanukkah story is an incredible redemption, incredible salvation, but it's also the beginning of the decline that ultimately leads to the diaspora in which we currently find ourselves. But Hanukkah armed us with this last piece that we need for life's success. How are we going to make it to the messianic finish line? How are we going to stay strong throughout this long, dark night of Golos, of diaspora? How are we going to go through the peaks and valleys of the Jewish condition that take us to, how are we going to do it? How do we do it? Hanukkah. Because Hanukkah teaches us, whatever tools you need to make it through your current difficult predicament, you have it. You have it. If you were to ask the Hashemarayim, do you have all the tools you need? Think about it just a moment. Right? You were to stop the Maccabim on the way to battle. Say, hey guys, you have everything you need? You have everything you need? Right? And they would have said, nothing. We, have, we, we, don't, we don't have anything. First of all, we have no combat skills. Right? They invented guerrilla warfare. Right? No one ever fought like this before. Right? We have, we're not a trained army. Their weaponry was probably much outmatched by the Greeks. Right? And by the way, we have no Navi and we have no Beis HaMikdash. The two things, the two things that have been the backbone of Jewish success from the times of Moshe Rabbeinu up until now, a prophet and a Beis HaMikdash. And we, Hashmonaim, we have neither. We have neither. That's what they would have said going out to battle. And yet they're successful. And that becomes the metaphor, and that becomes the message, and that becomes the mission for us as individuals and for us as a nation. We all face circumstances that we feel are beyond us. We stare, circum- right? Circumstances come to us, or situations present themselves to us, and I feel like if only I had the tools to be able to deal with this. And I know what the tools are. Tools are. If I had this, if I had this, if I had this, then I would be ready to go out and deal with this challenge. And Hanukkah teaches us, if you're in the challenge, you have the difficulty, that means you already have the tools. Whatever you need to meet life's challenges, you already have it. It says Rafutner, that's the last message, the last codified message. Because it's that message ultimately that preserves us. It's that message that buoys us. It's that message that inspires us and has inspired us since the time of Hanukkah all the way until Amir Tashem, one day soon, we will cross that messianic finish line. That's lesson one. Lesson two. Take a look at number five. So the Baal Shem Tov, actually, you know, you can skip a little. Uh, take a look at number five. The Baal Shem Tov says something very beautiful. The Baal Shem, actually, skip to number six. The Bnei Yisachar again. Bnei Yisachar. So th- this is absolutely beautiful. So the Bnei Yisachar writes over here. Remember, and everyone's struggling with the same thing. 
which is trying to understand what is the message and what is the mission of Hanukkah. It can't just be about a little bit of oil lasting eight days. It has to be something more. So the B'nai Yisrael, excuse me, once again writes in number six, Ol Kasov Harav HaKadosh, so he's quoting over here the Baal Shem Tov. So it was the Baal Shem Tov number five, just saving your source again number six. So Baal Shem Tov writes, Oh, it's Kosar HaKadosh, Tziknu Lamed Vav Neros. So watch this. It's good Hanukkah trivia. Right? The total number of candles that you light over Hanukkah is 36. Right? One plus two plus three plus four. 36 candles over the course of Hanukkah. 36. Okay, so what's the symbolism of 36? Watch this. Kineged Ha'ar Harishon. This is absolutely beautiful. A little bit going back to Bereshus for just a moment. We know that in the beginning, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created art, created light. Created light. The Medrash brings down that that light that Hashem created was not simply a light of illumination, but it was, it was a light of enlightenment as well. In other words, with that light, you were not only able to actually physically see, but you were able to spiritually cognitively, intellectually, emotionally, see things in a deeper fashion as well. Hashem created that light on day number one. After he created that light, he said, you know what? That light is too pure for this world. So what did he do? He pulled it out. He pulled it out. He replaces it with the sun, the moon, the stars. He pulls out the original light. Because remember again, light comes even before the luminaries. So that first light was this light of enlightenment, not just light of illumination, but a light of enlightenment. He pulls it out and he reserves that light for the righteous in the Messianic era. That, that light is saved for Emos HaMashiach. So the Medjish writes, so how long was that original light in the world for? How long was it in the world for? The Medjish says, 36 hours. 36 hours. And therefore, the Bnei Yisachar, according to the Mashantav, says the 36 candles of Hanukkah correspond to the 36 hours in which the world had this light of enlightenment. 36, 36. On a deeper level, what the Bnei Yisachar is saying is, and you know this, by the way, you know, I always tell my children, like, there's something... A lot of times what happens is, right, we light, we light the Hanukkah candles, light the menorah, and then what happens? You sing a little bit, and what often happens? Right there, every, every out, everybody's running, everybody's running, right? You have to understand, part of the mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah is just to sit and stare at the candles. You don't have to daven. Davening is good, Tillam is beautiful. Again, Nishmas is beautiful. There's so many beautiful things to say Hanukkah. Part of the Hanukkah experience is just to sit and look at the candles. You know what's even better? Look at it in silence. It doesn't have to be a conversation. It doesn't have to be a song. I know some people are, are, are uncomfortable. It's good to get comfortable with silence in general. The world would be a much better place if people were comfortable with silence. But so much of Hanukkah is that avod of just sitting and staring at the candles. The Zohar writes that staring at the candles actually has a physical and spiritual rehabilitative effect on a person. Why is that? Because those candles, the light of the Hanukkah candles, is somehow connected and tethered to the original light of Maiseberatius, of creation. That light of the menorah is not a regular light. It's not even the light of your Shabbos candles. That's a different light. Shabbos candles are beautiful. Yom Tif candles are beautiful. The menorah is something different. The light of the menorah is the light of the beginning of creation. It's the light of the beginning of time. It's a light not simply of illumination, but it's a light of enlightenment. One is able on a deeper level, 
What is the Bnei Yisachar saying? So if you take a look at number seven, the Beis Avram writes, Chanukah Shuzman Hischatshus. Remember again, we call the Amtav of Chanukah, Chanukah, so we normally assume it's a contraction of two words, Chanu Chafhei. Right? The, the Maccabim, they were fighting, they rested, they stopped fighting on the 25th of Chanu, they rested, Chafhei on the 25th of Kislev. But Chanukah as a word itself just means a rededication. Or to say a little bit differently, a Hischatshus, a rejuvenation. You see, the power of Hanukkah, you know what the real power of Hanukkah is? The real power of Hanukkah is the ability to start over. You see, we often think about the tabla rasa, right? The blank slate, the new beginnings, as something associated with Chodesh Elul or associated with Rosh Hashanah. But the beautiful part in Yiddishkeit is, is a recognition that how often can you have a new beginning? How often can you have a new beginning? As often as you want it. Right? Even multiple times on one day. You could say, you know what? Whoop, this is the line. The past is the past. From this moment, it's my brand new future. Brand new me, brand new life. Hanukkah, Hanukkah gives you access to the original light of creation. And what can you do with the original light of creation? Choose to recreate yourself. You know, you hear people saying all the time, oh, if only I could start over. If only I could start over. You could start over whenever you want. Right? Now, you may not be able to start certain things in your life over, but Lamaisa, the person you want to be, who you are, your identity, the life you want to forge and create for yourself, that you could start over at any given moment. And there are certain times of the year that are more ripe for this rejuvenation, that are more ripe for this restart, that are, re- that are more ripe for this renaissance. So Rosh Hashanah is one of them. Right? Yom Kippur is one of them. Sukkis is one of them. So is Hanukkah. Hischachos. When you have the opportunity to bring the original light, understand what you're doing. When I light my menorah, what I'm doing is I'm bringing the original light of creation into my home. My home, which is like at the center of my life, I'm bringing the original light of creation into my life. Which means now, that original light, when the universe started, is shining in my dining room. And again, the Menei Sascha writes, if you want to tap into that, and you want to start over, you can. Who amongst us doesn't have things that they wish they could change about themselves? I don't mean things you wish you could change in someone else. That we have a longer list of. Right? I'm talking about the things about me. That I have things about me that I want to change. But the truth is, it's so interesting because often we don't really believe we could change. Right? We talk about change, talk about change a lot. We don't re- deep down. I kind of feel like, like th- this is what it is. This is what it is. This is who I am. I could tweak a little bit here, tweak a little bit this. I could, but if you're asking me like for a cathartic, personalistic overhaul, nah, I'm not really capable of that. But yes, we are. Yes, we are. We just have to choose to tap into that energy. So come Sunday night, you're going to have that one nair. That one nair is the light of creation, the original light that no one else in the world got to see. Because Kashbarakh took it out after 36 hours and hid it away for the tzaddikim. But now it's going to be in my home. And that light is going to be in my home for the next, third, for the next eight days. While that light is there, with that light, I can go ahead and I change. And I can affect whatever level of change I want to in myself. In myself. Again, let's be clear. You can't always change some of the circumstances of your life. But I could always change who and what I am. And by the way, now you understand another halacha, which is, you know, 
kind of when people think about the picturesque way to light the menorah, right? What's the picturesque way you light the menorah, right? If you are producing like the perfect, you know, menorah video, so how do you do it? The families huddle together, the lights are out, right? It's darker than one. It sounds so beautiful, except that it's usher. And the reason for that is because you're not allowed to derive benefit from the light of the menorah. You can't light the menorah in a dark room. You have to actually light the menorah in a well-illuminated room. But now I understand. Because if you light your menorah in a dark room, you're relegating that light to a light of illumination, right? If I use that light to read by, to learn by, to eat dinner by, then it's just like any other set of candles. It's just like anything else. It's just like any other light of illumination. And that's a disservice to the Hanukkah candles. The Hanukkah candles are not a light for illumination. It's a light of enlightenment. That's why I'm not supposed to derive physical benefit from it. Because again, then I'm relegating it to the status of just a regular candle and depriving myself of the opportunity to literally connect to the original light of creation. Because if I could connect to that original light of creation, then I can remake myself. That's lesson number two about Hanukkah. That ultimately, again, if you want to go ahead and renew and recreate and remake you, that ability is there and the opportunity presents itself every night of Hanukkah. Every night of Hanukkah. Approach number three, and then we'll bring everything together. So if you take a look at the Leif Simcha, Leif Simcha is the Ger Rebbe. He says in number eight something so beautiful. He, he makes a statement. And to appreciate the statement, we'll have to just kind of branch out a little bit. He says, I'm sorry, He says, a small act during these days goes very far. A small act during Hanukkah goes very far. Okay, so what is, I mean, true, true, but what does it mean specifically for Hanukkah? Take, skip a little bit for just a moment. Take a look at number 10. This is from the Medrash Hanukkah. Look at the Medrash writes. So this is talking about after the Hashmonoim defeated the Greeks. So they defeated the Greeks. They come, they go there, they first return to their families. After they return to their families, they come to the Beis HaMikdash. They couldn't find any pure oil. Ela pach. Now, if you'll notice, by the way, if we don't have to compare, I'll compare for you, but if you contrast the sources in source number one and source number 10. Source number one is the Gemara telling the story of Hanukkah. Source number 10 is the Medrash telling the story of Hanukkah. And you'll notice a one word difference. In the Gemara, it says, when they came back to the base, I mean, what did they find? Pach Echad Shal Shemen. One jug of oil. Bless you. In the Medrash, what does it say? They found pach kitana, a small jug of oil. A small jug of oil. And what happened? So the Gemara sorry, the Medrash is number 10. So listen to this. So says the Gerab, something so beautiful. It says, you know what the message of Hanukkah is? That a small act could generate so much light that one little thing could make such a dramatic difference. We often assume that dramatic differences occur because of dramatic large-scale activity. And Hanukkah teaches us just the opposite. Hanukkah says, look, look at one little jug, pach kitana, one little jug of oil. What did one little jug of oil do? 
Look at all the messages that one little jug of oil gave to us. Look at all the chizik that one little jug of oil gave to us. Look at the dramatic difference in the, in the national fabric of Klal Yisrael. One little jug of oil. Says the Lev Simcha, that's the message. Ki biyamim elu. One small act during these days, mo'il harbe ma'od. Has such a dramatic effect. The avod of Hanukkah is not to do something magnanimous. The avod of Hanukkah is not to take on or to change something big. The avod of Hanukkah, says Leif Simcha, is do something small. Because the whole message of Hanukkah is that small actions can have dramatic effects. And I'll show you something amazing. If you take a look at number 10, so this is going back in the same Gemara that we saw in number one, but just a different, different part of the Gemara. The Gemara says, Tan Rabbanon, mitzvah near Hanukkah. How do you fulfill the mitzvah of Menorah? How do you fulfill the mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah? So the Gemara says, Ner Ishu Beisel. So technically speaking, all you need for Hanukkah, all you need for Hanukkah is one candle per household. Right? And that's one candle every night. So on night one, one candle. On night two, one candle. On night four, Good, you got the hang of this, right? One candle. That, that, that's the core mitzvah. That's all you have to do. One candle every single night. And not everyone their own candle. One candle for the household. Then the Gemara says, Mahadrin, the next level is near the echad. The echad, everyone lights their own candle. And then Mahadrin, and the Mahadrin is everyone lights additional candles per night. I want to tell you something amazing. Nowhere else in halacha do you find the halacha espoused like this. Where the halacha first is, here's the minimum you could do. And then we'll build up the minimum, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little more. Generally what happens in halacha is chazal state an expectation. If you can't fulfill the expectation, then there are ways that you could fulfill the mitzvah bidi eved, you know, in a, in a less than optimal fashion. Chanukah is the one situation where the Gemara actually phrases it as here is the bare minimum you can do in order to go out and fulfill your obligation. And then it builds out after that. Why does it state it like this? Because the whole message of Chanukah is that even one candle per household every single night, even one small action has the ability to affect so much dramatic change. We often think that in order to make a difference in our lives, or in order to make a difference in the world, you have to do something big. You have to do something that everyone's going to know about. You have to do something that's going to change the fabric. You have to solve a crisis, right? You have to come up with a bit. Great. If you could solve a crisis, fantastic. If you could do something big, all the power to you. But so much beautiful personalistic change occurs just when you make small changes in life. And says the Leif Simcha, the Avodah of Hanukkah is not the Herculean personalistic lift. That's not what this is. It's not the, I want to change 57 things about my personality, right? And I want to change, you know, 12 things about the way that I live. And the truth is, I want to do a 180 over here and a 180 over here. That's not Hanukkah. You know what Hanukkah is? A little tweak here, a little tweak there. Because the entire message of this yamtiv is one little jug of oil, one little change, one little life adjustment, one pivot could fundamentally change the trajectory of your life and the life of all those around you. Three distinct lessons. Now, if we bring this all together, now we begin to really understand what the Gemara is saying, right? Let's go back for just a moment. So now again, 45, 43 minutes ago, so we asked again, my Hanukkah, 
what, right, the Gemara asks, what is Hanukkah? And we understand what the Gemara is asking is not a simple historical question. We know what the historical importance of Hanukkah is. What the Gemara is asking is, what is the message and the mission? What is it that I'm supposed to do? How am I supposed to grow? How am I supposed to learn? It can't just be about oil burning for eight days. And so it turns out that we have three major messages and missions from Hanukkah. Message number one. Sometimes we think we are without the tools to face our life challenges. Hanukkah teaches us whatever tools you need, you have. Now again, it doesn't mean I don't want more tools and it doesn't mean I can't benefit from more tools. But whatever tools you already have, that's all you need in order to be able to face your challenge. What an empowering message. Because how often does it happen in life that we face crisis and like the first thing that comes out of our mouth is, right? I can't handle this. I can't, and by the way, that's normal, that's natural, and it's okay to have that reflexive reaction, but then I take a deep breath and I say, okay, Hanukkah was the last yamtiv. Hanukkah, like Rav Hutner said, was the last piece that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave me, and that will help me pass, that will help me get past the messianic finish line. Hanukkah gave me the last booster, booster shot of spiritual strength that I need. And it teaches me whatever tools I need to meet life's challenges, I have them already. I have them already. I'm good. I'm good. And even if I feel toolless, right? And even if I feel like I'm unprepared, I may feel unprepared, but I have to wrap my head around the fact I'm prepared. That's message number one. Message two, you can always start over. What a beautiful, beautiful message. It could always start over. The, ner- the, the candles of Hanukkah correspond to the 36 hours of the first light. When you kindle your menorah, when you kindle your menorah, you are bringing in that light, the original light of creation into your home. You're bringing in the light of the beginning of the world into your home. So first of all, don't light and rush. Light and bask. Take the time just to stare. It's okay to stare, right? Take the time, ultimately, again, just to be together with the candles. And remember, the same way that that light of the beginning of creation now shines in your home, if there's something about your life you want to recreate, you can. Hanukkah is the time to do it. Hanukkah is the time of his of renewal and rededication. We have the ability to renew and rededicate parts of our lives as well. And finally, message number three, a little bit of effort goes a long way. Sometimes in order to affect real life change, you don't have to do some dramatic. I know it sounds a little contradictory to what we just said before. If you want to start all over, you can. But don't think you have to start all over in order to affect real change. The whole message of Hanukkah is a little bit of oil goes a long way. A little bit of effort, a little change, a little something. Just think about this. And again, this is something to think about during Hanukkah and, and before when you're staring into the candles. What's something little I want to change? Maybe I want to be more friendly. Maybe I'm going to spend less time on social media. Maybe I'm going to go ahead and give a bit more tzedakah. Maybe I'm going to be the kind of person that lifts up the phone when I hear someone is saying shiva, even if I don't know the person. Maybe I'm going to spend a little bit more time on dav, whatever it is, whatever it is, all little things. But to go ahead and affect a little bit of change, find your little jug of oil. And when you open the seal on that oil, when you open the seal on that little bit of change, there is no telling what amount of light you could bring into your life and to the lives of those around you. The three messages 
and the three missions of Hanukkah. So we should be Zolcha Emirat Hashem. That as we come Sunday night to Emirat Hashem, Kindle of Menorah, and, and really, like, Hanukkah is difficult. You know, last year, we were Zohar to be in Eretz Yisrael Hanukkah. We actually got in. This is when they closed the country, I think, the second time. We got in the Thursday before Hanukkah. They shut down the airport again on Sunday of Hanukkah. The beauty of being in Eretz Yisrael on Hanukkah is you feel it. You feel it, right? In other words, it's Hanukkah. It's, it's, it's everywhere. You feel like a Yom Tiv. So, okay, so our job is to create that for ourselves here. You could create that for yourself here also. So no, it's not going to, if you look at the MTA buses, are not going to say Chag Sameach on it, right? It's not going to say, right? right? You're not going to get that. But, but, you could create your own energy. You could bring that Kedusha into your home. You can make it something special. It shouldn't be, light the menorah, dinner, right? And, and everybody's out, right? No, it's an experience, it's an experience. If it means you have to eat something before so that everybody is normal, right, and has their wits about them, then that's what you do. But maximize the experience. And when we come Sunday night, understand what it is that's happening. Thousands of years ago, our ancestors, you know, I'll just end with this. Our ancestors, when the Maccabim came to the Beis HaMikdash, when they came to the Beis HaMikdash, so what did they find there? What did they find? So they found the desecrated Mizbeach, they found there was, no, there was no menorah there. You know what they did? The Gemara says, the Medrash says, for the first menorah, they took their spears. They took their spears. They bound the spears together and they made a menorah. They had nothing. They had nothing. Tired from battle, having lost so many people, both to death, to war, and to assimilation. And somehow, they pulled it off. Somehow, again, they internalized all of these messages and they lived it. And we, who Baruch Hashem, could perform this mitzvah from the comfort of our homes. All we need to do is take the time, create the physical space, the emotional space, and the cognitive space to really be part of this experience. And there is no telling what we could accomplish. That by internalizing all of these lessons, internalizing the messages and the missions of Hanukkah, we should be Zohar Hashem, that our collective light should finally join together to create the beautiful light, the light of the Mashiach, the light of the third base Hamitrim, be Zohar Hashem, to see the Kohen Gadol kindle his menorah, Mehra Amen.